everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Televoid. I'm one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. Sister Mary Claire and Sister Act 2, back in the habit. Hey, LaToya. <laughs> You're joined this week by returning guest, Lisa DeCurci. Hey, Lisa, what's up? Hello, Mara. Nothing. Okay. Excited to be here. <laughs> yes. Well, we have Lisa on because Lisa is a super fan of the show we watched a terrible episode of. Uh, oh. So you can give your own opinion of the series at large. I'm sure we'll get to that. But mm-hmm. it is The Office, Season 6, Episode 12, Scott's Tots. A.K.A. that one where Michael promised a bunch of kids money and then didn't pay up. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll get into this. There's, I, I always try not to say, because Latoya hates when I say nothing happened, because things <laughs> definitely happened in this episode, but there's only two major plots, and it's a 20-minute long episode. So it'll be a little short, so we might talk about how, like, we hate it plummeted and it was awful, and, like, this is kind of, like, the breaking point for a lot of people <laughs> when mm-hmm. they quit the show. Um, but, and also maybe how this show compares to the British version, because I have a lot to say about how this tried to be too much like that, I think. I think it's, like, pushed the limits of what the show could have approach. Like, I don't think that this really did a good job of portraying any of the characters well. They all were assholes this entire episode. Down to, like, Aaron, who's hardly ever an asshole, because Aaron's just- Aaron was the only one who wasn't the asshole in this episode, and I was proud of that. Yeah. It was before she got a lobotomy, though, so it was very weird to see. She's just kind of like a- she's like a puppy in most episodes. You kind of- even in this one, like, she's- she's just kind of there. I mean, they all do kind of hold Michael accountable. I don't know. We'll get into it, but- they definitely were not the best version of themselves, and I think that that only gets worse and worse as the flanderization happens, like, as of season six to season seven. If you're yeah. thinking, like, where did this occur in the series, this is, like, the middle of season six. Michael leaves towards the latter half of season seven, so he's still there for a good season, but it's still, like, I would say it's the tail end of all, like, the mergers have happened. David Wallace has put Jim in charge of, like, I don't even know what, he's, like, co-manager. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's all weird. But they're, they're, I mean, Karen has been unceremoniously dumped in New York. Pam's having her second kid. And things are just getting less and less interesting yes, in the office. Yes. I think it's become a lot more about, like, the characters and a lot less about, like, the show. The yeah. show. <laughs> like, it's, I, I get it. I get why ensembles want to go into that, because they have such a broad cast of characters who are all very capable comedians. But they just, they, they spend too much time going into, like, I don't know. I mean, this episode doesn't happen to be one of them, but mm-hmm. by the time you start having, like, half half an episode revolving around Kevin, I'm like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And Brian, Brongan, Barna, Brian Baumgartner is a great guy, I'm sure, but it's like, you don't need to make him into another one of the leads. It's like, there's too many people. There's, like, 16 people on the yeah. show. Yeah. Isn't there? There's a lot. There's a lot of people, and it's if, impressive, honestly, that you are able to get so many that are so unlikable. That's really just an art. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, they all started out... I mean, they were definitely flawed characters from the beginning, but we were... I mean, we can get into how... I mean, especially Jim and Pam. They make Jim and Pam into, like, two of the least likable people. I mean, they try and redeem them with the baby stuff at the beginning, but then after they have the babies... And then after they have the babies, they get worse than they were before the babies. It's like, Jesus! These two are, like, straight-up monsters. Yeah, I... Do not like them after, like, probably the sixth, like, the beginning of the sixth season. Even. And this is, I mean, Andy has been introduced, and Andy is another character that kind of, like, goes up and down, because Andy was, like, interesting for a little bit, then super boring. Then he then becomes a monster. Then he becomes the worst, and it's like, what's even happened? Like, I, you can't even keep track of one character. 
It just, I mean, to me, it just kind of reemphasizes if you've never seen Parks and Recreation. It's like they learn from a lot of their mistakes on that, and they stop trying to, like, dictate so much of the other characters into being, like, literally forefront. Because I, as much as I love, like, Donna and, and, and Gary and all, Larry, Jerry, however you want to say it, <laughs> but, like, they did not, like, their episodes that definitely had, like, you know, Donna's love life, but it wasn't, like, an entire season that involved, like, you know, both of them, like, you know, doing it for themselves. Like, it just did not revolve around them the way that the Dwight and Angela stuff became this huge deal. And it just, I don't know. I, I feel like the show really got off the rails. Yeah. But before we get off the rails, um, we could get to, I mean, it starts off pretty much from the get-go, like, terribly super boring and terrible. Because they're basically, it's, it's Michael reprimanding Andy for talking like a baby too much in the office. He's a grown man. They're both grown men. And it's not, I mean, like, it's not funny. It, it wasn't not. funny and to it, me. And yeah. it's, and it's, it doesn't really make sense to me because also Andy does not strike me as the type of person that's going to be talking like that. So it's really weird. It's like just a bizarre, yeah, I don't know. I, they were saying he was doing it basically to save face and not embarrass himself. But when does Andy ever care about embarrassing himself when he's talking? Right. He put his hand through a wall. Like, he yeah. clearly does not care about embarrassment. He told everyone he went to... Rage Anonymous. Yeah. Like, that's... If you were gonna be embarrassed, it'd be about stuff like that. And he does not... And then, like, of course, the second, like, he tries to spin it, because he's always fucking, like, spinning things. That's Andy's M.O. Is trying to, like, be your best friend. And he tries to tell Michael that, you know, the reason why he's surprised that people are so offended by his voice is because, like... Well, he's, well, he's, I guess it says, like, it's like, no wonder they don't like my voice because they hate your Elvis voice. And, like, but, but me, I love your Elvis voice. And then, of course, now Michael's, like, on his side. Right. This terrible just, Elvis voice, of course. And it's like, I, I hate, it's hard sometimes to nitpick sitcom, like, cold opens because I'm sure that that was just, like, one premise out of, like, 22. But it's just badly written and it's not very interesting and they both seem bored. <laughs> yeah. It's not uh, a good start. No, and this show had great. This show was like famous for its cold opens. You Fire could watch, drill. Like, yeah, you could watch. You could watch. I would say like there are like thirty or forty cold cold opens on this show. You could watch like in a in a straight run, and it's as good as a web series. Like it's mm-hmm. that great. You don't even need to know anything about the characters for most of them. They're just really well done. All the pranks for Jim. Those were cold opens a lot of the time. Um, like I think a lot of the. It, it just, it felt to me, like you're saying, the fire drill one is fantastic. Like, there are totally reasonable ways to enter, enter an episode, and especially considering this episode, it's bizarre that that's the intro, because it's like, if you're gonna have a bitingly, like, dark episode, why start it out with, like, baby talk jokes? That have right, nothing to do right. with anything else. Like, yeah. it didn't even... I don't fucking know. Anyway, so, the credits happen. I don't even want to spend that much time on that, because it was so... Uh, like completely worthless <laughs> but um i forgot how this show stuck to its like original credits up until season six and that's pretty baller i'm not gonna lie <laughs> like <laughs> how many shows keep the original credits i know all the way till season six it's kind of weird i it's mean it's very rare if it was, it's the opposite was, of beverly hills 902 i know i know right they don't change every five minutes but like and even other shows were things do change but very slowly like Buffy I know is one where they have a lot of similar shots but then they'll just add new things uh-huh. to the stew kind of but like this show really it's the exact same it's so weird to see like Ryan for example it's always so weird to me too that BJ Novak is one of the people in the credits I'm not gonna lie Does it, any, has that ever been really explained? 
Because he was supposed... Yeah, this this I'm pretty sure I know from having read a bunch of stuff, and then uh, we'll get into later on. Me and Lisa actually went to the convention in Scranton a yes. long time ago. <laughs> That's how into the show... We're from Philadelphia yeah. area. So what? Oh, Maura, Maura like, you're from Philly? I'm from Philadelphia. I... What? Mind you blown. Mind I blown. I, I, You've I don't never bring it spoken up. about it. <laughs> but, uh, so, so, Scranton, this is before... I mean, I guess around the same time of It's Always Sunny, but it's before It's Always Sunny really blew up. So this was, like, the first show really set in, in Pennsylvania of my generation, at least. And I don't think there's many even going further back. There's, like, Cold mm-hmm. Case, I think, and, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, there's something. I'm sure there's plenty of shows I'm not thinking of. Let's find out. It's pretty ra- I actually know most of them. I don't think I'm wrong. I think most of them aren't set in see, Philadelphia, so. Just I'm Pennsylvania. Just, let's see. All my children. Uh, well, that's just boring. I don't know about that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my, I'm not gonna lie. My Google autocorrect. Oh yeah, Pretty Little Liars. That's Rosemont. Yeah, that's this. But that was long. This is long before that. Let's see. To, Pepper Ann was set in Pennsylvania. Oh god. Let's look through these. Parking Wars, of course. Oh, Banshee. Oh, oh, Blimey World is another one that I knew. Oh yeah, I definitely. Why just blanked on that? No, I, I brought that up during the Blimey World episode, but it's it's a suburban. Like mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's where we're from. But it's just more generic. Like, they'll wear a Phillies hat every once in a while. But this show is, like, very, very, very... In- like, when we went to the convention, the city of Scranton shut down. They had, like, the mayor, like, introducing them, and there's a parade downtown. Like, this is the most money that Scranton has gotten since, yeah. like, back during the steel time. So, like, this show honestly did a lot to their tourism industry. Like, they had, like, signs going up, like, how to get to the Steamtown Mall, because that's been featured on the show. Like, those are, like, that's, that's so a cool. huge yeah. deal to, like, a town that really, I mean, it's been done, that's the whole reason it was set there, is it's a dying industry set in a dying city. Right. For, for like, people who feel like they're dying in the office. Mm-hmm. And so it really worked, but I think in the long run, like, watching the show and then knowing a lot about, like, why what things were going on, it made me and Lisa kind of like, oh, let's go see the, let's go to the convention, and then some of the cast were there, and they gave, they gave, like, some talks and things, and I remember, I don't know if it brought it up there, or I listened to it in a commentary or something, but essentially, B.J. Novak was supposed to be a much larger role, because I, I don't remember in the British office who his equivalent was, but it was just, he was supposed to be kind of, like, co-lead along with the other ones, but he kind of fell to the the, the background because hmm. there's just so many people in this cast and honestly yeah. he's a great writer and he's a he's a great comedian on the show he has some great parts of the show for sure mm-hmm. but he's just not I mean even compared to Kelly I think Kel, I think Minnie Kaling ended about shining him for yeah. their, their scenes together and she definitely succeeded beyond him after the show and yeah. there's nothing against B.J. Novak but it just I feel like they kind of they were planning on making him into like I'm trying to think of the equivalent it's sort of like he was supposed to be the April Ludgate of this show, mm-hmm. and he never really followed through. I guess he still was a huge part of the show for sure, but like there were still like seasons where he was not even around. I think. Yeah, he, I disappeared, like he disappeared for, for a little bit. At least like a season. He was always a writer. He always stayed a writer, and I think maybe producer. Right. But he was the character was gone for a while. Oh, after he got arrested, maybe. Yeah, he mm-hmm. got arrested and then dyed his hair. He, he bleached his hair and <laughs> then he eventually joined the Michael Scott Paper Company. But for a long time, he was kind of just, like, gone after he took the management job, which mm-hmm. was, that was when he was like, okay, I get where he's now, like, a main character. But up until that point, he was kind of, you you need someone to be that, like, you know, fish out of water to, to look into this craziness. Mm-hmm. But after that first season, it's like, why is he still in the main credits? He's not even, like, a main character. Right. And they never really address it. But he's still in the in the main credits when, like, 
I think Angela was definitely, and and Ed Helms, yeah. Ed Helms, they do shoehorn in earlier than everybody else. I remember that because between when he was first on the show in season three, and then season four or five, The Hangover got released, and they needed to put him in the main credits because it's insane. It's the equivalent of it's like when Chris Pratt was on Parks, and then by like season two or three, it's like how could he not be a main character? Yeah. And they just threw him in. Like it's <coughs> even obviously Adam Scott and, and Rob Lowe became main characters the minute they showed up practically. But mm. th- like there's certain characters that are great as guest stars, but like once they hit, they hit, and you kind of can't leave them in the background. And that's kind of where I think. Ryan ended up, I mean, especially compared to Andy, like, Keith, Andy and Ryan, their plots after, like, season two or three, it's it's so much more heavily Ed Helms than it is B.J. Novak, yeah. and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of bizarre, because I think even in this credits, I don't think Ed Helms is in them? Or his name might be there. Oh, But by yeah. season seven, once, once uh, Steve Carell leaves, uh-huh. they completely just changed the credits. They gave up after that, I think, because yeah. they had to get rid of him, they had mm-hmm. to add Andy as the boss... And they had to, I think they, they think they, they put in, like, a bunch of other people, too. I think they put in, like, maybe, like... Like, everyone? Or, or, yeah, or, or any of them. It could have been any, but I think they have, like, most of the cast at that point, which is just, mm-hmm. like... Craig Robinson was also pretty big by the end of it, too, because he was in Hot Tub Time Machine, yeah. and he was making, you know, a lot of more guest appearances in movies. So there were people, like, you had to kind of bill if they wanted to try and get the kind of money that they, I think, kind of deserved as, as character actors... But the show was not as good to give them the kind of work to actually do well. But anyway, so <laughs> the credits aside, um, morale is down in the office for whatever reason. Everyone's just maybe because it's a miserable place in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, I, how is morale never always down? That's the whole point of the show. Yeah, honestly, is like from the get go, it's morale is always down. Right. And it's weird, because everyone always says, like, the first season in the office, you have to get through it. It's not that great, but you have to get through it. I actually don't dislike that at all. It's, yeah, it's same. It's kind of a shot-for-shot remake of the British version, but it's still fine. It's just not... It's not as good, but it's not, like, nearly as bad as some people try and make it out to be. But the second season, I wouldn't say that they, like, throw all of that out, out, the, out of the, um, the air. It's definitely much goofier and lighter, but there's still, like, a drabness to a lot of scenes where it's just, like, people doing paperwork. Mm-hmm. And, like, cute things happening in between. But by this point in the series, it's kind of, like, nonstop comedy. And they, they lose a lot of that, that like, dullness. Which mm-hmm. is not to say, like, don't you want to watch a show about dullness? I do, right. actually. No. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally right with that. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's, I don't know. After after that starts to fade away, it's, it becomes more cartoonish. And I think it actually really hinders the show, even though you know, more interesting things should be, you know, entertaining us, it kind of loses the entire charm of it being, like, a funny, wacky workplace comedy, and it's more <sighs> just, like, a sketch show that happens to take place in an office. It felt like they began trying way too hard to make it funny and to make it... I don't know, before, like, I feel like they weren't... They didn't have to try as hard when it was more mellow. It was just it was more, more naturally like, funny It was more like the, the situational comedy came from the situation and not the situation The situation and not the character just being, like obnoxious or just, you know, crazy. some of the people by the end of this were, like, monsters. Yeah. <laughs> like, terrible human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, even in this episode, like, Dwight's always been an asshole, but, like, Dwight's, like, bugging Jim. Like, that was kind of fucked up. I know. I didn't like that at all. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I believe it. Like, it, it tracks with his character, but maybe just don't show us that. Maybe have him say he does that, and then you can be like, oh, Dwight, that's you being Dwight. Yeah. But when they actually have him, like, bugging and listening in on a phone conversation, like, fuck. Like, that's 
Like actually really trying to get him fired. Like the, that was, really that's like, kinda like that's it's insane. And then this is already by the point that you would assume that based on the way that Dwight and Jim interact, there's that kind of like big brother little brother thing where he hates them so much, but he doesn't want to actually get him like like on the street without a job and his and his wife with a right. second child. Like that's kind of crazy. That's, yeah, that did upset me actually. I didn't like that. Yeah, and he's not a likable character for that reason either. But so uh, the morale is down still. And Andy suggests, although it's Dwight's actual idea, who has told Andy, as in to not, you know, be traced back to being culpable, that um, they should start an Employee of the Month thing, which is... Well, first of all, it's crazy to me that Michael Scott has never done an Employee of the Month thing. I know. he loves awards for no reason. Well, he, he does the dummies for fuck's sake. He not get the, the award, so that could be why. So then, after that, um, Michael basically approves the idea of, you know the employee of the month thing uh although first when jim presents it to him he immediately tells jim like i'm i did something terrible which is such a weird like abrupt change because at first he's just like sitting there going through his inbox with aaron which i find still like so annoying that like that he's he an her... asshole to her this whole i know he's i don't like that. everybody i mean like it... he's a character who is aggressively stupid and this is part of that like he needs someone to read his inbox to him Right. In order to clean it out. I get it. <laughs> Whatever. It's dumb, but fine. Uh-huh. But, like, I don't know. I Just the idea of having to do that with your boss every single day is yeah. maddening. And I guess that's the point, but it just it doesn't even come across as that funny. It's more it didn't just, come across as funny. Not it just seemed, not it seemed insane. And it's also, why is that the first time we're ever seeing that? I don't. Have we seen that it's with like, him in the past? He, he makes people do that? No, he's in... Even more incompetent than we all thought. Yeah, yeah. and there was also the, and there's a weird his, joke too where he says something about like there's a bunch of things about nip slips in there and she's like yeah I'm delete these. He's like yeah I don't know how I guess he was just trying to say like he's, yeah it says it's in the search. Uh, he's like hackers today. Yeah, it must be hackers and then basically he also claim, doesn't understand. Yeah, he doesn't understand what a sent folder is, so he just makes copies of emails yeah. he's delivered. Uh, I don't fucking get it. How is he a functional human being? I mean, he's not. Bottom line is he's not, basically. But he's still... You would think he's a little bit... Because the thing about Michael Scott is that it's terrible an employee and a, and a manager that he is, he still is not genuinely a... a idiot like he's an it's hard to describe like he's yeah, obviously he's like an idiot smart in some ways the reason why he was promoted is he was good at his job yeah he's just not good at managing people yeah and it's not to say like well he had to answer emails when he was a good salesman so right. i don't get that doesn't really track i don't know i feel like sometimes they make him into too much of a character and it's not that he's not believably that dumb because sure there are, de- there are probably people that dumb everywhere i believe right. that 100 percent. there are people that make their their secretaries go through their email for them i uh-huh. believe that <laughs> but i just don't think that aaron would take that after i mean aaron's a little bit sl- like slow too but pam definitely wouldn't have taken that i right. don't think maybe right. a little bit but not every single fucking day i That'd feel like unbearable. in like, the first couple seasons she would have but the pam not the Pam now. The and Pam now definitely would have been like, uh, no. <laughs> and I don't even know that she would do- totally... She would try and teach him how to do it himself. I don't think she would ever, like, yeah. long-term be okay with just reading someone's mail to them. Right. It's just... It's insane. Anyway, so... And it's not like... I understand if they had him they had her go through them and then, like, showed him what's left. Because you could just decide what's important and not what's not. Yeah. This is like... here. Here's how you read your email, Michael. Like, it's weird. It's... It, 
it's yeah. he's not a child basically. <laughs> so um so he uh he approves the idea of the employee of the month, but he also says to Jim like I've done something terribly wrong, and and Jim's like well what could it be? not murder and he makes like a joke and uh-huh. he's like it's worse and of course Aaron, Aaron's like mortified by that like what could it be and then he's like lurk much and then get and he says I miss Pam while she's still there and for some reason Aaron doesn't quit immediately or come back with a gun and shoot him <laughs> poor Aaron I know and then uh, she's great and so um so he he gets the idea of, obviously we said from from Dwight slash Andy that they should do the employee of the month. Michael approves it, although he wishes that he could qualify. That Jim has to explain to him that he wouldn't, which I buy. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. And although it doesn't really make sense to me that he doesn't already have that in place, but that's fine. And then, um, basically they they start the the idea. I mean, at this point, you already know Dwight is being like shifty because you have the talking head of Dwight just sort of like. Yeah, Andy saying it's my idea, and then another of, of Dwight saying actually it's my idea. So you you know he's being like you know manipulative behind the scenes from pretty much the beginning of this plot. Mm-hmm. But everyone has to be stupid for this entire plot to work. Yeah, and they are, so it works. <laughs> but um, yeah. so th- that's the B plot. There is no C plot that I was aware of, but maybe there no. was that I'm not paying attention. And then uh, the A plot is the worst plot on the show, which is Scott's Tots, which. Right from the beginning, it kind of infuriates me that Stanley is laughing so hard at this. Like, I find that so repulsive, almost. Yeah. And he's like, has it really been ten years? And he's like, hysterical. And I, I, I mean, that's a dark sense of humor. If you're laughing at someone ruining, he should, I don't get it. So he just thought it was funny the whole time and didn't tell Michael, hey, maybe you should figure something out about that. Like, that's just an asshole thing to do, too. And also, yeah. Everyone like, is garbage. If Michael promised that, there are totally ways... Well, we'll get into it. There are totally ways he could have tried to help follow through on it. Like, he could have talked to a foundation and done stuff. Like, you could yeah. have definitely tried... Or motivate... Or go through Dunder Mifflin and see if they could do something. Like, that was just part of his, I guess, dumbness. That I, they, <laughs> but it's just... If you're... If, if everyone in the office, or at least Stanley, knows about this, why didn't anyone intervene? I don't get it. But so, Scott's Tots, the idea is introduced because he, they pull up an old newspaper where apparently when Michael was, I guess like 10 years ago, when Michael was visiting a local school reading to third graders, which is honestly very sweet on, yeah. on its own. It's like, oh, he like, he wants so badly to have children and to be mm-hmm. around people who are young and, and dumb like him. Not that kids are dumb, but like on his level. Yeah. And I think that's always been a very... And I really I appreciate that part of the episode because yeah. there is a, definitely a through line that has some semblance of... Like, Michael's not completely irredeemable but he's pretty close to it. But there's a, there's a side of this where you can see where it went wrong. Right. But it just never... No one addressed it the right way. But anyway, so he, he gets to this point where he agrees to pay for the college education... Of everybody in this one third grade class at how many people high was it? Do you remember? Was it thirty? I think it was thirty. Oh I think God. he keeps saying thirty, right? I think it's thirty, and he he says like he closes his eyes like thirty lives. I think it's either it was 30 or 15. it was thirty. It was uh, I think it was thirty, but no, actually no, it was fifteen because I have it written down. Oh, 15, oh it was fifteen. Okay. okay, good. Yeah, it's still a lot, but it, yeah. yeah. So it was fifteen, fifteen, fifteen. Kids. Why would, question? Why did he think he'd be a millionaire by then? He, that's, I, I kind of buy that because he, he that's how he got in that pyramid scheme, right? Because mm-hmm. he used to have a lot of money from being a good salesman, and then he put it all into this pyramid scheme, and that's why he ended up literally like not even having enough money to buy a condo without basically having it be his retirement home. 
That's mm-hmm. he still has a decent amount of money. Like he's still making more than anyone. Well, no, he's not really. He's making like because that's another thing which I actually always enjoyed that one episode where um, Daryl Craig Robinson goes. This is the negotiation where yeah, he goes yeah. to ne- negotiate his paycheck and then laughs at how low Michael's is, which is just barely above which is his. Sad, yeah. And it's because he's a he's like a random dude in the warehouse. And he's just like, I wanted a, a raise. And Michael said, they can't give you a raise because my, my pay is so low. Yeah. And it, it really, that's to me very believable. Because if you're not, if you don't know how to negotiate your pay, you're going to, of course, take the lowest amount possible. Yeah, and it'll ruin your life. And yeah. that's kind of where Michael has nobody advocating for him. Just like these kids had nobody advocating for them. Because mm-hmm. someone allowed Michael to say this. And no one, like, thought to ask him, like, how are you going to do this? Can you actually, like sign a contract, can you prove this? They all are just, like, taking him at his word, which I find kind of weird, but fine. So he told these kids this one time ten years ago, and they all just bought it, and, like, up until this point, well, we'll get into a little bit later, too, like, how that keeps going, but they're all just sort of expecting to have 15 kids have their college education, so I I didn't really do the math beforehand, but that's 15 times, I mean, what? 60 grand at minimum? Yeah. So that's too much. That's a crazy promise. <laughs> I mean, it's doable, but just not the way that he planned on doing it. But like I feel he... like if he continued to work at Dunder Mifflin as a a manager, like I don't know if he he probably could if he actually saved money, he could have at least given them a portion of it. Yeah. Like he didn't even try. That's part of the problem here is that he has made this promise and then walked away. Yeah. He didn't think about it. He didn't save for it. He didn't budget anything. He didn't have some kind of a. Uh, I don't even know what you call it, like a... a plan? Really? Not a, yeah, a plan, or like a a, a compromise, like uh-huh. here's a, a the equivalent of, I'm sorry I couldn't do this. Like, he couldn't even afford to buy the books by the end of it, which is just, you could have at least saved that much money. Yeah. That's not that hard to save. I mean, it's hard to save a lot of money, but like, you know, saving, say, a hundred grand is not out of the realm of being of someone who, like, say he wants to buy a mortgage. It's just, it's doable, at least. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so... So Pam is appalled by this, but I respect Pam for being absolutely disgusted from it from the get-go, which is good, because Stanley laughing was already kind of like, what the fuck? Why are they even playing this as a joke? Like, this is awful. Yeah. And they, they t- like, she's she's kind of like, just, she, Michael, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Go tell these children that you just did this. And she's pregnant, too, so I think it's partly, not that that's like, the reason why she's upset, but uh-huh. I think it's just, it's really, like, hitting home for her. Uh-huh. And I think, who else is there? Phyllis is there. And, uh, well, Stanley's laughing at it, which is just gross. And Michael's kind of being held a little bit accountable right from the get-go. But, but he's not a bad news person. He's a good news person, you guys. <laughs> and he just, he asked, he asked Pam at one point to tell him it's gonna be okay. I'm like, what? And then, of course, she's like, it won't be. Go fix this. And I kind of appreciated that, but it's also just, what, what kind of a character... I mean, this is the kind of shit that happens on, like, It's Always Sunny or something. Like, that makes more sense. This is not the kind of... Because they're all huge assholes, and they're unrepentant assholes, and they would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, and and Michael is definitely has his moments of being an asshole, but you're not supposed to actually find him repulsive. You're supposed to find him annoying or pathetic or something mm-hmm. like that. Not repulsive. Like, it's just not the same equivalent the show is given. In fact, this is the closest the show gets to the, I mentioned before, the British office, which is, I think this is, this is a textbook David Brent move. I could see David Brent doing this in a fucking heartbeat. And if you've never seen that show, it's because David Brent is a monster. Like, it's yeah. a sociopath on that show. And that's where Michael and him always have split. And it's not to say one's better than the other, they're just two different characters, but it just does not 
Michael's character, obviously you, you could buy him making this dumb promise, you can buy him not having the funds to do it, but it's all that, like, time in between, not, like, I don't know, it's weird. It's a weird follow-through, and everything about it just sucks. <laughs> but, um, so, in the meantime, though, the, the Dwight and, um, uh, Jim plot with the Employee of the Month Club, um, Dwight wants, well, first of all, Dwight comes in trying to chum up to him, which I guess is him trying to give him an example of what brown nosing is going to be like now that this is a thing. Which I do like that he says that, uh, John Chris, well, he says, Jim, I bet you could grow a great beard. I'm like, you know John Krasinski can grow a great beard. You know your shit, Dwight. But, um, so he's just saying pretty much just, like, we should base this Employee of the Month thing on data. So it's not, like, un- unfair or, un- or biased against anybody in the office. So I've made this um, completely anonymous ranking system based on, you know, what they sold, how good of an employee they are, all that kind of stuff. And he presents that to Jim, like, should we do it by this? And we'll have Toby do it so it's fair. And Jim kind of, well, he Jim wants to take out the part that's about, what was it, like, hunting or physical defense or something yeah. stupid like that. Self-defense. And then, so he takes that part out, but... Um, they start to kind of move forward with the employee of the month thing, which again, if that maybe if that the B plot was a little bit more interesting, yeah, that one also makes them all so absolutely terrible. It's just you're looking at Michael be terrible, and it cuts to Jim being terrible, and it's like I, it, it's just too much. The whole, yeah, the whole episode I was just disgusted with everyone. Yeah, and I was bored by most of it. The B plot, I guess you could call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and and so so Michael. It shows up at the school with Aaron because, of course, he originally wants Pam to come with him, or Pam refuses and says, "Aaron, you're gonna go. You're gonna make sure he t- make sure he tells the truth. It'll be fine." So they go together and they show up at the school, and it it's it sucks because there's a moment where he he turns around and he's like, "Is that Mikhail Lasker?" And he starts asking about her saxophone, and then he's talking about how, like, last year... So yeah, he's staying in these people's lives, and he still didn't think I should do something. Yeah, that's the problem here. Doesn't is- make sense. There's two sides to this. It's so weird because on the one hand, it's like, oh, how sweet Michael has stayed in these kids' lives. On the other hand, it's like, he's seeing them all the time. It's not like he made this promise and then is getting reminded of it the last minute. It's it's like, they must be bringing this up to him. He must, this is why they're all so nice to him is because they know they're getting money from him. Yeah. And so he's like, basically like, like coasting on that for their entire lives. And I, I get it on one level, because that must be the greatest feeling in the world. They must yeah. treat him like fucking... I mean, when they show up at the school, there's the Michael Gary Scott reading room. Yeah. Like, that's how... <sighs> le- I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Because, of course, it's probably the same room where he read them. I guess it can't be, because it's a high school. But I still wish yeah. it was the same room where he read to them. Maybe it could be, I guess. Uh, read to them as kids and promised them. Cause I think a picture. that was the room where he actually told them the news about how he's going to pay for their tuition. Yeah, I think, I think, but it was a high school, so, I mean, It could be K through 12. Oh, yeah, it could be. So, it's definitely, potentially, the same room. Like, this is how big a deal he is. They made a a remembrance room of the place where he uttered this this beautiful promise. Like, it's gross. Anyway, so he shows up, and then she's like, oh, I'm gonna show you to everybody. They want to say hi before you leave. And then he's like, oh, I gotta go. He clearly wants out. Like, Michael's basically already trying to run for the door, and Aaron's, like, pushing him forward. And he's like, well, maybe for five seconds. And he walks in, of course, they're misleading you into thinking nobody's there. But of course, everyone's there. They're all chanting Michael Scott. It's awful. Well, Mr. Scott. They're calling him Mr. Scott. Yeah. And they're like, it it might be one of the saddest. Because, I mean, on the one one hand, you're like, oh, this is, it's weird. Because there's these two, like, conflicting emotions. Because on the one hand... It feels so great that these kids are going to get what they want, but we already know they're not. So it's like, 
on a better show, he would be there actually, like, doing this. Or on a better show, it would be like, oh, these people are actually getting the help they need. Instead, we have to sit here and knowing that they're all, all these happy faces are going to get let down yeah, immediately. But I felt bad for them and for him, too. Well, like, I didn't I feel bad for him because I was just offended by the fact that this white man ruined these children of color's lives. There, yeah. were, no white, there were no white kids. It was, was only black and Hispanic kids. It was really weird. That was it was very weird. much an inner city school, mm-hmm. which was very... Very, very bad. Very, very bad. And there's also it gets it gets even worse because then he sits down after they start chanting after the uh, break. He sits down and they have a dance ready for him, which includes the, the song "What You Gonna Do," "Make Your Dreams Come True," "Mr. Scott," "What You Gonna Do," "Make Your Dreams," all that stuff. And then there's rapping, and one dude starts doing there's break dancing, flips and and break dancing. They're in the hood. That's why. And it makes me like, like and he's just like this like old white man sitting there like like gleeful, and it's like okay. On the one hand, I understand what they're trying for here is, like, these kids put this thing together, but it's like, really make the entire class black? Like, this is really... It, it was shitty. Like, it was... It felt really, really bad. And then they had One of the rap- kids talked about how, you know, he could have gotten to the gang life, but not because of Mike... He didn't, because of Michael Scott. I'm just like, oh my god. I, mean, I think part of the problem here is that even the resolution to this, which was a better... Maybe a vaguely less disgusting premise could have been resolved more cleanly, but even the resolution feels really gross because uh, well, we'll get to that later on with the Aaron stuff. That really made me mad. Like the way this was resolved was also pretty gross. Um, so anyway, so the, they're doing like kick flips, they're dancing around, and Michael's just—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's, Steve Carell's good at acting though because as, as shitty as Michael is, every time he gets super excited, you can see him like be devastated by it like he's clearly like on the edge of being like out of his mind Mm -hmm. and so um in the meantime though dwight gets money off of everybody which immediately seems very shady and we know that dwight at this point has admitted to wanting to get jim fired which doesn't again does not obviously he doesn't like jim and he doesn't want him to be the co-manager but to get him fired just get him demoted or something all this time yeah i don't know i I mean like what kind of human being wants like I mean, obviously, Pam, I guess, will keep her job, but wants a, a second-time pregnant woman to have a, a, a jobless husband. Like, that's is not... This, well, is this their second time? Because they just got married this season. Oh, so that might be their first. Oh, it's yeah. their first? Yeah. But remember when they announced when she was first pregnant, it was in that episode where... I tried Michael to tune out Jim lies. and Pam stuff, so... Oh, okay. Michael but, made up all the lies, like the gossip episode, I guess. I don't remember. Stanley but... had an affair, and Pam tried... <sighs> So un- it's unbearable. But so yeah, e- either <laughs> either if it's first or second, regardless, she's got a kid on the way, and you do not want to make the husband without a job. Not that she can't afford it, but it's just it's just not right to me. Like to, to put people who are having a child out of a job, it's never a well, good situation. Because like, his whole thing is that he assumes Dwight assumes he's going to get the job if uh, Jim's not there. It's like no. you didn't get the job in the first place. Yeah. No, it wouldn't go to him it w- again. It would probably go to Andy, which would be yeah. something later on. Because Andy's, as we find out in this episode, to be honest, way more qualified for this than he, he's just a shitty person. Yeah. So I think Andy has actually self-sabotaged himself into a bad job. Right. I just wanted to, like, sh- I always just want to shake Dwight and, be, Dwight and be like, you have terrible people skills. Deal with it. Yeah. Move on. And honestly, those types of people skills in the right situation could be great. He just is so aggressive. Again, I hate, I mean, I don't hate it because it makes sense because they're both by the same creators, more or less. But um, I keep going by the parks. He has so many things in common with a Ron Swanson. Like, on paper, they're different characters, obviously, but they're both very, like, dry, 
like weirdly anti the rest of everybody else's work. They have their own like you know scheme of what they want to do, and they're just they're very acerbic weirdos. And I I love them both. They're they're both weird in their own ways. But like those types of people skills, if you're being like an aggressive business person, you could use that to your advantage. Instead, Dwight becomes this like conniving idiot, and yeah. he actually is more like Michael than he is like like say a. I don't even know. I guess even like an Andy, where he's not—he doesn't know how to butter people up the right way. He right. thinks he's buttering people up, and people are really creeped out by him. So, yeah. and it really shows in this episode because he thinks he's really fucked Jim over. But like Jim, for all of his faults, is not really an idiot in the business world because he knows how to grease fucking palms. That's the one thing Jim's always been pretty decent at. The mm-hmm. only reason he wasn't that great in the beginning is because he doesn't really try. Yeah. Once he starts trying at his job, he's always been pretty successful. Yeah. I mean, he's not always good at what he's doing, but he at least gets the you know higher-ups paying attention because he's a likable person to them. Yeah. Compared to the rest of the office, it's not that hard to imagine either. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so anyway, so, uh, so Dwight gets the money off of everybody, and he's getting 20s. This seems so unofficial and weird. I don't know why yeah. anybody would... Anyway, in the accounting office, why is the accountant, both of them, just hand... I guess they, one of them's fucking on the other one, just is Kevin. And I don't know if the Oscar's even there anymore. But so they're just handing over 20s, not even... Oscar was the second person to give him money. Oh, he was? Okay, so Oscar also just hands over a 20. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, he was trying to explain it again, and the Oscar's like, did it, because none of them care. None of them I mean, it is only 20. I guess they figure, where's it going to go? We're all here, then he's not going to run off with our money. But, you know, it was just kind of weird. So they're giving him the money to be the... uh, Because I guess in the beginning when they were talking, uh, Dwight and Jim were talking about the Employee of the Month thing... Um, Jim says something along the lines of, in a perfect world, we would have a, a cash prize, but we probably can't do that this time, but at least we'll get the recognition. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. End of story. But Dwight, of course, makes that into, you know, let's get money off of everybody so we can use that as the reward. Right. Why does Dwight have the power to even do this? I don't I don't know why no one says, Dwight, get the fuck out of here, because no yeah. one there likes Dwight. Nobody in this office likes Dwight. Right. That's been inside maybe Angela, and even Angela doesn't like Dwight most of the time. <laughs> I know. So it's like, ugh. So, um, the other person that really actually enjoys Dwight is Jim. So it's yeah. ironic that he wants him fired, but whatever. Is, yeah. So, um, so Jim, at that point, is, is unaware of what's happening, but Dwight is now trying to, again, behind the scenes, manipulate people. Like, he says something along the lines of, in, a, in, f- in five hours or in an hour or something, David Wallace is going to call Jim and fire him, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of, like, does that yeah. Mr. Burns evil smirk with the finger kind of look. Mm-hmm. But, um, so that happens. And then, of course, we get the, the... Not only is it disgusting that they, like, trash all these terrible... Like, all these, these great children's lives with all these terrible things. They bring the teachers into it and make the teachers look like idiots. And oh. it makes me furious that these these teachers at this inner city school would not I, I, they're making them all look like idiots and mm-hmm. it's really really unattractive in a show to basically make the, the butt of the joke underprivileged children and their mentors like it really and then like uh, I, I also like uh, obviously the teachers aren't really responsible for some random businessmen's fuck up but what kind of teachers are just buying into this bullshit I know. At, at face value I'd want a tax return I'd want, like, you know, some kind of a, a written contract. This is all very suspect. Mm-hmm. These are, like, major questions. Like, how is he going to just give them all this money? Like, it's not exactly. even legal. Where, where do they think this money came from? It, does he have a foundation? Can we see the incorporation papers? These are all questions. Having worked in nonprofits, you can't just give money to people because taxes don't allow that that big of a gift. You're going to pay a lot of taxes on that money, and they don't 
didn't really do it that way. They usually just would, you know, incorporate it as a, a non-profit and then just give it out that way so you could write it off on your taxes. That's not, not, that's obviously not happening. And it also makes me really suspicious that I'm like, well, so we're, we're, we're expecting that, like, you know, everyone here is an idiot then? Is that what you're trying to make it out? Like, no one thought to ask these questions? Because clearly, if they're working in inner city school, I imagine they have some familiarity with, with non-profits or something. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's some kind of a school that needs, you know, any kind of benefits or something. It's just, it was baffling to me. But, so they're just letting Michael walk in here, acting like the king, and the teachers are now talking about... It's it's really upsetting, too, because they're also... And it, it's real weird, like, again, racial stuff, where it's like, you know, we've been taught that, like, you know, that society is wrong, and... And no one, everyone's given up on these kids, but Michael Scott, he's the exception. Like, he's the person that's proving to them that the world is a good place. And oh, it's yeah. really, like, it's shitty. Like, it's not great to, to put a lot of that on your, and it makes him even more unlikable. Yeah. And so, um, but as that happens, of course, Jim tries to give the, um, employee of the month thing to himself. Because anonymously, Jim is the best worker in the office because everybody else sucks at their job because they're busy giving 20s to Dwight instead of doing their fucking work. Um, and so Jim, it's, I mean, that on its own is pretty funny. I'll give it that. That's well, that a fine, was Dwight's doing. It was him, Dwight's right. doing. Dwight wanted to make it so that it, he knew, I, guess, I don't know how Dwight knew this. I guess maybe he ran the numbers himself. He knew that based on the anonymous data... Jim will be number one in the office. So he because he's the only one who does his fucking job. Yeah. And so he would give himself the employee of the month thing. Which, isn't he co-manager? So shouldn't he have been taken out of the running too? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. He wasn't supposed to be in the running. I mean, I, I, think, right? I but, get it, but it's like... I understand, yeah. I understand that, but I don't know why everyone even gets mad at it. He should have been like, look, sorry. They're fucking and, idiots. I know. I know. I was annoyed at how mad everybody was. Yeah. I'm annoyed at how dumb every single person was in this episode. Yeah, they make them yeah. all complete. And he, all he has to say is, oh, whoops, sorry, I'm not even supposed to be in this. Next. And mm-hmm. reads the next one out. Although that becomes an and issue, And that's what too. he tried to do, yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, so Jim tries to give us himself. Everyone freaks out. He didn't know it was about cash. He didn't even know about the pride, like we said before. He and didn't yeah, know why would they, do they believe Dwight, Dwight at all? Well, of course, then this is where Dwight's plan came into play. And he said, oh, and then and he's like, this is all Dwight's idea. He tries to point to Dwight. And then Andy's like, no, it was my idea. But it's like, how hard is it for him to how say? How dumb do you have to be to not realize what's happening? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, couldn't Andy be like, but yeah, but Dwight gave it to me. Like, I mean, this is just, ugh, it's unbearable. So anyway, so right. so he, he now everyone's like basically like screaming at each other. But meanwhile, Michael gets everybody starting to scream uh, at each other because he starts giving his speech, which I don't even remember most of it because I was like in a blackout About intuition, rage. basically about knowing what's going to happen, which is like even more of an asshole thing to be saying. How are they supposed to know and you're going to fuck them over, and he starts, dick? Yeah, that, and he starts saying, like, haven't you all ever made a mistake? I'm like, oh, you don't get to compare their mistakes to this mistake. Yeah. Nobody's going to make a mistake this big unless they, like, ruin someone else's life. Like, that's what you're doing. And then, so he just tells them more or less the bottom line of the, of the speech, which is rambling nonsense terribleness of just, like, you know... Couldn't you understand forgiving someone for doing a terrible... Like, it's just awful stuff like that. And then he says, I can't pay, essentially. Mm-hmm. And everyone loses their fucking minds. And then he says, like, some people have evil dreams, some people have selfish dreams. This was my dream, and it was, like, the nicest dream of all. And it's like, look, I don't understand where you're... I guess he's trying to claim, like, at least I had a good idea, even though I couldn't follow through on it. But, like, he's not thinking of the ramifications of, like, of these kids... I mean, they must, they, they've been thinking their whole life, like, dreaming about going to college. Yeah, they, and they, they never have to worry about paying for it. That's what they're, 
Like, and that's I, what they believe. And he's, apparently, according to earlier in the episode, he's been pushing off this meeting, like, at least six or seven times. Oh. I hope to fucking God it's not the end of the year, because they could have applied for some scholarships that they might not have done. Yeah. I hope to God they wouldn't do that, because that's its own, I don't know, I couldn't really pay attention to the date. There might have been an actual Yeah, date I don't think they ever said, really. But, I mean, like, uh, again, episode aired December. So, I mean, ideally, maybe he could have, I don't know. Who knows? I, don't th- I guess they wouldn't have had any, like, uh, financial aid stuff to deal with, though, yet. Yeah, so, so it's, it's possible that it's not that big a deal, but, like, why risk it? That sometimes that takes a while to get initiated. You should not be delaying telling them that they need to get their shit together, because they're all seniors, and you not telling them this is literally changing... Making their, it worse. Making yeah. Their, yeah, making their lives harder and worse, and possibly... Derailing them from getting the actual money that they could be, you know, earned or, or do. Yeah. And it's just gross. But this is Michael Scott we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, he's always like that with everything. Yeah, he's it's just off everything. He's an he's idiot. Yeah. So then he starts pulling out lithium. Uh, well, first of all, he says, you know what you could use for... And again, this is what... It's so weird to me. Like, the way this show does this shit, I don't get it. So he says, like, you know what all kids need, though, to start their tuition, even though they can't pay for your, you know, stuff, is a good laptop. And I'm like, I actually, it's been so long since I watched. I'm like, oh, is he giving them laptops? I'm like, that's weird. But at least it made mm-hmm. more sense. But then he, of course, pulls out. And then, you know what powers a laptop? Batteries. And that he pulls was just out, another slap in the face. And yeah, it was crazy. And he pulls out lithium-ion batteries, which, again, I will say, as, as I mean, as useful as they guess, they're not too cheap. That's like mm-hmm. 60 bucks sometimes. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, every laptop battery is different. So I don't know, unless they're universal power cords, they're completely useless to some people. So yeah. I don't even know what he's trying to do there. There are way better books or things he could have given them. Yeah. He could have given them all a fucking copy of other places you'll go, like everybody at the graduation gets. And that would have at least made more <laughs> sense than fucking lithium ion batteries. And like, honestly, you could get a laptop for like a couple hundred bucks. You couldn't shell out like, what was it, 15 times hundred you you couldn't shot like fifteen hundred bucks, Michael. I think he could afford at least that. Yeah. Like that's not unreasonable. I don't know. Anyway, so so that happens. He pulls out the batteries. People are like really, really upset. And they should be. I think they're all like furious at him. Mm-hmm. And then uh it's just so unlikable. I, I hate everything about it. And then so he he cuts it cuts from Michael basically in a room full of people screaming to Jim in a room full of people screaming and it's just this is completely. The what whole, about this is an entertainment show? It wasn't enter- It was an. It was like annoying. Yeah, everything about it was just shitty. Yeah, I was bored and annoyed like the whole time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, of course, now Jim is trying to explain this was a mistake. It was all Dwight's idea. It was Dwight's problem. And then Andy claims it was his idea. So of course, whatever. And then, Either way, it's not Jim's idea yet. They're still getting mad at Jim. Right. Why would Jim... Again... Just, it annoys me, because I feel like they just want to be mad at him just because. Well, I mean, I buy that a little bit, because they probably all are pretty envious of Jim. Yeah, exactly. And I get that part of it. That's where Dwight's coming from, I'm sure. But, like, yeah. at the same time, I mean, Phyllis should be more reasonable, or Toby. Like, those are two people... I mean, although Toby kind of is weirdly jealous, but, like, yeah. Phyllis or Oscar, maybe, or... Yeah, Oscar. Or, um... Even Kevin, really. I mean, I don't know. There's definitely... Kevin doesn't understand there. what's going on, yet he kind of <laughs> leads the charge. Yeah, it's so <sighs> weird. Well, he was promised that he... Well, he was like... The reason why he even gave his 20 bucks is because Dwight was practically telling every person they are probably going to be the employee of the month, which is just insane when it's Kevin. Oh, yeah. Why in the world would Kevin be employee of the month? <laughs> so, anyway, so... Like, there are people there that should be at least, mo- like, moderately, you know, even mind... Or even killed. But instead, like, they all go crazy. And, um... 
meanwhile, Dwight calls... This is also really weird. Dwight calls David Wallace as Kevin and Stanley and Toby. And it's basically just Rain Wilson doing his impressions of, of Brian Baumgartner, um, uh, Leslie, uh, I can't think of his name, and then um, Toby. Anyway, so of Kevin, Stanley, and Toby. And so he does their, his impression of them just, like, saying, it's getting really crazy down here, Mr. David Wallace. Please get somebody on the phone. Like, Jim's trying to give money to himself. And then, well, I guess we should say beforehand, I don't know if that already happened. I think Jim tried to claim, like, let's get some. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, that yeah the, that's already happened. So Jim basically tries to say, okay, fine, I won't do it. I'll give it to the next person. And then the next person up from him is Pam. And, although it's, I swore he said it's his third person, but I don't remember. But yeah, he said second. Okay, one, second. Yeah. And it was second. Pam, so Pam now is going to get it. And everyone tries to give him shit because it's his wife, but it's like, you assholes. If she's the best employee, she's the best. I don't... And then, of course, Pam's like, well, I did double my sales. And then, um, who says it? Like, Oscar? Someone dickish mm-hmm. says, like, what, from two to four? And then she it cuts to a talking head, like, uh, uh-huh. yup. And I kind of appreciated that, because, like, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, employee of the month is not, like, a, a, a forever thing. It's right. of the month, you assholes. Right. Like, exactly. She's not going to be employee of the month every month. It's just this month. It's... It's so dumb the way everyone gets worked up. Or unless you guys continue to be shitty at your job, maybe she will be employee of the month every month. She fucking doubled her sales. Give her. She deserves a bonus. I don't get that at all. And everyone like like freaks out at them, which is also I feel pretty unfair because so if she ever gets employee of the month in the future, is she gonna be similarly derided? How fair is that? Because just because she's married to him doesn't mean that she should be disqualified from getting the employee of the month thing. She works there too. She still works there. Yeah. It's just it's kind of shitty everywhere. Look at it. But so, um, so that happens, and then, of course, Dwight tells, um, David Wallace, you know, oh, um, you know, uh, it's getting terrible here, he's doing, like, weird voices for everybody, and then, uh, he, 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 he's, like, basically, like, like, sniveling in the warehouse, just, like, waiting for the shit to hit the fan, because it's already pretty bad upstairs, but he's expecting things to get worse and worse than Jim to get fired at this point. Um, so, but meanwhile, Michael, um, is kind of kicked out of the I guess he's kicked out you don't really see much more he gets I leaves. hope he was kicked out I know. he leaves he was asked to leave he, he kind of walks out on his own he just walks out yeah which is he, crazy like he should be kicked out for apologizing afterwards but anyway so he he gives the money um he tries to also give this is a oh God, I fucking hate this episode it's awful because one of the kids do we know his name I didn't catch his name. No, but it's the one who... Followed him out at the end? That who, one who, who wanted to Could be have been the in the Barack gang Obama. life. Yeah. He wants to be the next Barack Obama, the one kid. Oh, that one. And he says... He kind of holds him accountable in a way that... I mean, everyone there was trying to, but he does it a little more straightforward. Like, who does that? Like, says it right to his face. Just one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And then he offers this kid, like, money just for him. For just the books. I'm like... Well, that's shitty, because there's, like, 20, there's, like, a 14 other kids that are, like... That's what I thought. I didn't like, like that part. This either. was shitty as well. Is like, it, was it, yeah, was this supposed to be sweet? Because, no. It's just, so you're it's, just paying for one kid? And how's that kid gonna go tell everybody else that, like, it's just so awful. Yeah. Everything about this sucks, and it made me really, really mad. So he tells him, like, look, I'll pay for, oh, he says, well, I can give you another battery if you want. And he's, like, he's, and the kid's kind of, like, no, fuck you. I want, I want the tuition. And he's, like, well, I can't afford it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I could give you money for books, maybe, like, uh, for the, the year. And then he says, yeah, it's about, like, uh... He's uh, like, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. He's like, well, uh, how much could it be? And he says, it's about $1,000. He's like, whoa. And he's thinking $1,000 for the entire, like, um, you know, time at college. And then the kid says, $1,000 a year. And then he really, like, goes freaked out. I'm also just like, where, what, 
I mean, I know books are expensive in college. Well, I guess this kid hasn't been to college, so they don't know about uh, used bookstores. And I, I, I really find it really... I know it's a very huge trope for a lot of shows and a lot of people, and it's very true that college books are expensive. Mm-hmm. I buy that. But $1,000 a year? Yeah. That's a really pushing it. And you're going to get at least half, half of that back if you do used books. I don't know. I find it very weird. I think I I agree that it's maybe like six hundred or five hundred. Yeah, like, that's what I, I was thinking. Usually, that's why I would spend. But good for this kid. He's probably fleecing him a little bit. I don't care. He should. I buy it. But either way, like he just gives up and like starts writing this kid checks. I'm like, well, good thing it's only him that walked out because if everybody else in the class walked out, nobody would have got any money and he would have been a complete scumbag. And I hope his kids are going to go in there and tell everybody he got money from him because it's going to make him look even worse. And then they'll probably hate that kid, too. Yes! And it'll just be more chaos. Oh, my God. So he writes four checks for him for $1,000, dates them all a year apart, and says to give him a call before he cashes them so he can move some money around, which is just... Ah, just I, goes... Like, if he's that hard... Like, if he doesn't have that much money, why did he ever make that promise? Well, he thought he'd be a millionaire by yeah. now. Which is just fucking it for no for real reason for no reason it's just besides wishful how thinking. would he be a millionaire from working at thunder mifflin like i don't understand even like fucking david wallace isn't a millionaire yeah this is bullshit so anyway so dwight calls speaking of um dwight having called him he's like now bugged jim's phone i don't get that at all i didn't like that i mean i get it because that's dwight demo is the dwight but yeah shit, but if he's doing that he's, i don't see why he thinks that he would ever have a position of power he could get fired for that easily, easily. That's like do I got he could have got fired for leaving fake voicemails and just yeah, alone. <laughs> there's everything about this is all very suspect. But so anyway, so he he leaves the fake voicemails, then bugs Jim's phone and listens in on Jim's call. It's not even like he bugs the phone. Like that's, I mean, that's a jokey kind of thing where it's like I could see like I think I said this before. I could see Dwight doing this kind of bullshit. And then it being, like, a one-off joke in a cold open or something. Mm-hmm. Fine. I buy it. It sucks. But I... Whatever. Who, Dwight's a weirdo. Yeah. I, it's fine. But to actually have them, him sitting there listening in on a phone conversation between Jim and David Wallace is pretty gross for a character to be literally eavesdropping on his boss slash friend of, what, ten years at this yeah, point? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, with the intention of really genuinely wanting him fired. That yeah, was pretty... it was weird. And it, yeah. Anyway, so he's talking... Uh, Jim is talking on the on the line to David Wallace, and of course David Wallace is kind of, I wouldn't say tearing into him, he's just kind of like, Jim, what the hell? I thought we put you in charge there to get stuff together. And he's like, yeah, sorry, it won't happen again. And it, it is kind of a heated, I mean, vaguely heated, just David Wallace being David Wallace. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of, va- like, kind of yelling at him, just like saying, like... He was freaking like, out, though. I don't like, know. I like- it wasn't, okay, he was kind of like, he was, he's like, Jim, He's I like, what are you what doing? You're making the employees give you money? <sighs> Well, I don't know what you're doing there, Jim. I mean, we put you there to make it better, and uh, this doesn't seem to be doing much of a job. Like, that's the kind of conversation they're okay, having. And yeah. it's, not, it's not by any means good. That sounds bad, and Jim is definitely yeah. freaked out by it, and you can tell by the way he's responding, because at this point we all know Jim, having watched the show, this is Jim being a little upset. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's like, oh I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And then David Wallace like, takes a step back, he's like, sorry, I'm taking something else out on you, it's been a real long day. I know you're doing a good job. You're doing great, and you've done a lot to help Dunder Mifflin, uh, Scranton do better. And then Dwight's like, "What?" And then, like, of course, as he's listening in on this conversation, Dwight's like to camera, like, "What?" And it's just like this is so and unlikable. also David Walsh is like, "Yeah, I'll see you at dinner because they're yep. friends too." Yeah, he's like, "That's yeah, another yeah, thing." We're still on for dinner this weekend. He's like, "Yep." Mm. Oh, I was like, 
Because Dwight can't make personal relationships with people. Again, he would be terrible for the job. And I'm kind of glad on one level they did go to that place because it really... I buy that 100%. Because David Wallace, although he ends up being kind of shitty on it in his own way, Uh um, after he gets fired and all that weirdness, but, like, him and Jim, that first time they met, or first time they really, like, got to be friendly when they were playing basketball Mm -hmm. at that, uh, the... the, That party. It's Uh, not fancy party, but it's something like that. The equivalent of, I don't know. Anyway, so they go to that dinner party or whatever it's called at um uh at his house. I think it's at his house, mm-hmm. and they play basketball out in the back, and they kind of like bond over being just kind of like nerdy weirdo plain guys who are just trying to make money in a business that's kind of boring, and they mm-hmm. kind of both are on the same level, and it it makes sense to me that that David Wallace kind of almost goes to bat for Jim, even though he just berated him. He's just like, you know, I get it. Like, we're the same kind of guy. This is clearly me just being mad about something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure whatever happened there is not your fault, because you're a great guy. Let's just move on. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Dwight's just, like, furious. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that, that's it. The, resu- the resolution is not even anything major. It's just that, well, Dwight's gotta be- go at him harder next time. Which is just like, what? Yeah. What are we watching here? This is, I mean, I get, I can totally watch a show that does this with a character that's just insane. But I just don't buy the Dwight that we've been watching will yeah. suddenly go back on all this weird w- goodwill from Jim. I mean, they're not by any means best... Well, I mean, I, they kind of are best friends. He still but... was protective of, like, him and Pam, at least. Pam. Yeah, sometimes. Pam, for sure. Yeah. He always had, like, a bit of a soft spot for Pam compared to everybody else, but... So it's anyway. just weird how... It is weird. Just totally Who turns knows? back on But him. so anyway, so... So, so um... And then in the car, though, this is the other part I really wanted to get to, because it's so fucking gross. Uh, Michael says to Aaron, like, um, like, oh, I feel so terrible. I did such a terrible thing. And then Aaron says to him, like... He asks her if she's 12, by the way. Like, fuck you, dude. I know. You're making that shitty Elvis impression in the beginning of the episode. Seriously. Oh, she's singing, yeah, she's singing the song. And he's like, what are you, 12? It's just, I mean, he's probably lashing out, but it's so gross to call a grown woman 12. Especially, like... Aaron, I mean, for all Aaron's flaws, she's so sweet. She's like puppy dog. At this point, she's at so this point, she's like not, again. Like I said, this is before she got a lobotomy because she even points out, "It's like, well, you brought this on yourself." Yeah, and and she's not like an idiot. Like she, you can't talk to her like she's a complete. She came know. off the smartest, I think, in this episode. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, Pam, I was impressed. Pam honestly, had her moments, but even Pam was compared to Aaron, not even that great. So, but what's also gross to me is that she says. Well, I heard from the, the dean of students, I'm saying what, I, I don't even know what it was, but something along the lines of, like, I heard from the dean of students that, um, you know, there's only, like, a 30% graduation rate amongst this this class, and, but everybody in this, cl- in the class that you promised is that it's college education to, they're all graduating. So you could look at it, like, maybe you did do them at least that benefit. And, like, I get trying to find a silver lining in, in even the worst moments of your life, but, like... Fuck you for trying to make it like well good for thank God this 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 not even that rich white guy came in here and got all these these kids to like not go off to the streets and not not graduate it's all his it's thanks to him it was such a weird thing to end the whole uh, fucking episode yeah. on is basically just like well at least he got those kids from going on the streets like what uh, yeah but I, on like but also like I feel like if you watch the show from. Like season one, you know that Michael Scott is a good-hearted guy and he means well. And I know, everything. but it was so. Just... I think that she just, you can kind of just. Oh, she was trying to feel make his sadness. Yeah, like, she was and trying he to genuinely did feel terrible. And I mean, on one level, it's it is good that he got kids from not graduating, but it felt yeah. to me really kind of 
creepy to bring in like statistics about like graduation rates. Right. Like yeah, that was yeah, yeah. weird. Like I felt like it's almost like, see, you did good though. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's I, like, I no, let's not mean. let's not redeem this for a second. Yeah. Let's not make it like, thank God Michael Scott stepped in and like kept these kids from like ruining their lives. I'm like. If they had not known they were going to go to college, that doesn't mean that they were going to... It's it's basically, to me, it almost makes it out to be that to assume that Michael Scott didn't step in and promise them a free education is to them not even bothering. And it's just like, how can you write well, they, off... They're, they're from the streets, you know. Yeah, you can't write off 15, oh, you can't write off so 15 uh, kids as just dropouts if he didn't step in. Like, that feels so gross to just be like, right. well, if it weren't for him, they would have all fucked up because, you know, streets. Right. It was just shitty. And, 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 and then, then of course... They start singing the song in the car. Oh, it was like, crazy. Terrible. It's really gross. And so he says to her, of course, like, you're doing a great job, which is basically uh, making me feel good. Like, that's... I hope he got some... I mean... Did he just walk away from that, like, unscathed? I hope they, like, wrote terrible well, it, things in the, the way paper. That's kind of seemed, like, because... It, at, at the end, they just started singing in the car. He got all happy again. Yeah, and he's sing- they were singing the fucking Mr. Scott song. Yeah. Which hey, is just- Mr. Scott, and he said, do? Make our dreams come and true. And he says something to um, Aaron, too, about, like, I see the good... Well, of course, after she says that, that bullshit statistic about college, or college graduation and dropping out, he says, like, well, you know, I do see the good in people. When Kevin applied for the warehouse, I gave him a job as an accountant. I'm like... Which you should have... No. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> that an was example terrible. of your terrible decision-making. Because, right. like, I mean, Kevin, if you find him lovable or not, I don't even care. He's not good at his job. That's kind of the, the, the long... I mean, that's probably the joke they're going for. Yeah. But it almost... It felt like they were trying for a heartwarming moment, which is, like, I mean, good for Michael that he's trying to help out people who were probably underestimated in other jobs. But, like... That's not a good example of you doing... If you wanted to say, like, say, Oscar was applying for the warehouse, I'd buy that. Or Angela was applying for... I don't know if I would buy that Oscar was applying for the warehouse. I don't know. Somebody <laughs> else, maybe. I'm trying to think of anybody else that would have been comparable. But it just... Mm-hmm. It, or Jim. That would have made more sense. Yeah. Jim. Like, Jim was trying to apply for the warehouse, and I told him, no, you'll be a good sales guy. And at first, it would have looked like a mistake, because Jim was really shitty and hated his job. But later on he developed into wanting to do sales and it almost went off and did his own company to do it. So it's just, it's the kind of stuff where it's just, there's so many like attempts at jokes in this, in these like little moments and it just does not gel with an episode where we just watched him ruin 15 lives. And they actually like openly say, you just ruined 15 lives. Like he closes his eyes and says, 15 lives ruined. Like they're not even trying to be subtle about it. Right. They acknowledge he fucked up. Yeah. And no one holds him accountable. And instead, they just, they they drive on after that, singing the "What You Gonna Do, Mr. Scott" song. Like, like he's even allowed to sing that. Like he ruined those kids' lives. Uh, I guess the joke is supposed to be like, it, it's supposed to be making him feel bad. But I'm like, those kids are still not getting your your money. So mm-hmm. it's making fun of them almost. It's just not great. And so in the meantime, though, um, Dwight, of course, having. I don't even know what you call it, like, unsuccessfully sabotage Jim or whatever yeah. he's trying to do. He's He says to Jim and Pam, well, it also makes me really mad, because, like, Jim gives Dwight a lot of shit. But once Jim gets promoted, he stops. Yeah. Because he, he knows he needs to be professional now. And he's been relatively nice to Dwight ever since. Pam's always been nice to Dwight. Pam has always, mm-hmm. like, basically, like, gone to bat for him against, yeah. like, all the other shit. And so they're still kind of shitty to him in some ways, 
because they're not, like, perfect people, but they're not by any means, like, his biggest enemies in right. the office. I would say Andy's probably a lot more gunning for his spot. Like, Andy would easily, mm-hmm. like, you know, not look twice about stepping over Dwight. Right. But so, in the meantime, though, like, they say goodbye to him at night, just, like, being a polite co-worker, like, have a good night, Dwight, and he's, and he's like, see you tomorrow, apparently. It's just, like, ugh. Having to see them, like, both leave like that and be nice to him on the way out the door and have him, like, shitty, like, be shitty right back to them. It's like, I don't get this. It's supposed to be funny, but it's not funny. It's, he just seems like a petty human being. Yeah. And it's not interesting for more than one episode. This is, like, a, now it's, like, a plot because in the meantime, Ryan, like, saddles up to Dwight and he's like, oh, hey, Dwight. And, of course, Ryan just, like, shows up out of nowhere. Like, what? He wasn't even in this episode at all. Yeah, I know. And so he just, like... Hey. Yeah, because he directed it, actually. Oh, oh did he? Good job. Okay. Oh. So, um, <laughs> so Ryan sells up them and says, Oh, um, I want in on your diabolical plan. And then Dwight says, like, How do you know about my... What are you talking about? And he tries to, like, like play it off. And he's like, You left it in the copier. And he pulls out, like, a literally a Everyone paper Everyone is label. so fucking dumb. He pulls... It's so stupid. He pulls out a label of a thing that just says literally my diabolical plan, which is just on another show I'd buy it. Even like on again, it's always sunny or something. I'd buy it. I definitely would buy it. That's perfect. And it would probably be you know on that show if it was Charlie or something, it would be just like chicken scratch <laughs> medical because he can't spell or read. But um, so he he makes it into this like I don't know. I guess you'd call it like jokey, campy nonsense that just does not. I mean, the show is definitely weird at times, but I don't think literally printing out a plan, labeling it My Diabolical Plan, and and putting By Dwight Schrute is even, like, remotely realistic. And this mm-hmm. show's supposed to be at least vaguely realistic. Yeah. It was, it was so stupid. So, yeah. and even, like, I mean, like, the gym, there's some gym pranks that are really crazy, that really go into their own level, like, I mean, there's the point at one point where, um, they have, uh, what's, uh, Ah, uh, Randall. Ah, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, they have Asian Jim show up. Like, oh, Randall Park. Randall Park. That Randall Park. Funny. And they have Randall Park show up, and then they have, um, like, the FBI sting, where they have Dwight, you know, think he's gonna be recruited for the FBI. Mm-hmm. Those are all the types of, like, pranks that are really high concept and very much, like, unrealistic in some respects. Yeah. But you could still... It's not impossible to see someone do them. Yeah. Because all you gotta do is have a friend who's Asian and willing to go for the bit. Yeah. Or you have to have, like, you know, a cell phone and then the ability to fax something to a random person. And, and they're all practical jokes, as in they're practical. They're right. things that could happen. Instead, we have this weird, like, you know, my diabolical plan thing, which is the equivalent of... I mean, even, like, when Michael's script gets found... It's, like, buried beneath a bunch of stuff. Like, it's not like it's just, like, laying out in the open in the copier. Which yeah. is just, like, why do you need copies of that either? But yeah. whatever. <laughs> anyway, so Ryan just saddles up to him and says, like, I want in. And that's kind of it. It ends, I guess, with Ryan wanting out, out Jim, too. Because I, I guess at that Cause, point... Because, yeah, because they're going to put Ryan in charge of anything ever again. Well, no. Right. I don't exactly. even know how he gets hired back at the company. I think Michael, like, negotiates it that way. Cause but it's because of uh, the paper company. Right, but Michael has to negotiate him back in, especially mm. because he was fired, I think. Yeah. And it was like, it was like me, or, me or Ryan, me or Ryan, and they're like, well, then nobody. And then he's like, wait. <laughs> and then they, they, they do something, and then in the last minute he gets hired again as a temp. And now yep. he's being referred to as a temp again. There's no logical reason for it. Oh, exactly. And it's just, and I guess that's part of why Ryan, I think Ryan resents Jim because... He used to. I, he, I think. He, I mean, there was some weirdness with him and Pam at one point during the paper company, where I think he like 
felt like protective. I don't know, who fucking knows? And then they're trying to make some weird like Ryan hates Jim too now because he resents him for having the job he wanted and like being friends slash married to Pam. He was the only person that uh, that talked to him. Like, so to, yeah, I don't know. To me, it went from being a really funny show to like just hateful, and I, I wasn't laughing as much, especially in this episode. I didn't laugh once. No, I didn't. Like, I don't think I did either. I was so, yeah. I was bored after ten minutes. Yeah, and it never redeems itself because at it least didn't on at all. on other episodes that are very boring in parts, there's at least like a good you know C plot or B plot or something. Mm-hmm. Both of these are terrible. The only likable slash funny part of it, I think, is that Jim accidentally makes himself employee of the month. That's like a solid like joke. It's not even that great, but it's like it's a concept that could be derived humor. But like, but like <laughs> you couldn't even laugh because it was it immediately becomes Errolman yelling and, exactly, yeah. and it's like it's that could have been funny on its own, and then it would have been a whole thing. They could have made a whole episode about just that. Instead, they like made it this like weird subplot that is immediately thrown into the, the dogs because it just becomes well, then Pam is it, and it's like. Well, I, why isn't the whole conversation about, like, then they would all go in the conference room and he would explain what an employee of the month means and some stupid shit like that. Yeah. But it would track. This just felt like so, well, we gotta get rid of this plot, so let's get rid of the plot. <laughs> and they moved on. I felt but, like it was just boring, the whole employee of the month thing. I feel like that boring. was just, like, something to have on the side. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's It, it was it was strange. And definitely by, by I, I would say, a lull in the season. Yeah. And the series at whole, because I, I wouldn't even say lull, because I feel like after this, and then what you said before, as it starts to become Saber, this is, mm-hmm. between this episode, well, and a little bit before this, but especially this one, mm-hmm. and then everything up until Saber is really when the show starts to just plummet in quality. Yeah, it kind of turned into a different show for me. I was still able to enjoy certain episodes, some parts of certain episodes. Because it's good writing, in parts. Like, there there are still good writers on the staff, and, like, there are still jokes to be found here, but it's more like they're just focusing so much on the sketch element of things, even though it's not a sketch show. Mm -hmm. It just becomes so much less about, like, you know, a work... I don't know. Because before it was, like, a family kind of feel to it. Like, you love... It was, like, a love-hate kind of thing. That kind of got just to the point. Well, there were so many fucking people. Yeah. By the end of season seven, there is, in the main cast, there is, I mean, not uh, end of season seven, but, like, around season seven into eight, there is Will Ferrell's added, then James Spader shows up, Kathy Bates is still in the mix, David Wallace shows up again, I think, vaguely, Catherine Tate is now basically a series regular, Craig Robinson is now definitely a series regular, then they add in, like, everybody else full-time. And it's just, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. At some point when it you've got, like, much. eight people who are literally main cast members, and then another eight people who are, like, secondary, but still very, very much featured players, yeah. it just is, like, I can't even, I can't even tell what to pay attention to. Cause right. And it's not like this was lost. lost. Right! And it's, like, I get it, because on a certain, sh- on certain shows that are, like, com- like I- it reminds me of, like, a Scrubs. Like, Scrubs has a ton of characters. And I buy everybody being, like, you know, involved. But at some point, you got to decide what episode is going to feature who. But I feel like this show just kept stuffing people into episodes, and it got so full of plot, which is, I mean, it's, it's an obnoxious thing to, to, to care about. It's like, oh, I ate too much chocolate, my stomach hurts. But it's just, at the same time, don't eat that much chocolate. Then your stomach won't hurt. Stop yeah. throwing so many people in every single scene. Like, just because they're good actors and good comedy 
does not mean that you need to, like, like literally make it a jam-packed action-slash-comedy fest or whatever. I feel like maybe they felt it kind of going downhill, and they were like, oh, we gotta save it and throw, like, you know, these well, well, famous... Well, I think what really made... that When they were trying to audition for the new um, regional managers... Uh-huh. Do you remember that? Who, who yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, it was James Spader, who wins a, Robert California yes. wins. Uh, let's see, Jim Carrey. Oh, God. He, oh my God, I forgot. I forgot about that. Me too. And then Will Ferrell, obviously, he also almost wins. Mm-hmm. Um, there was somebody else, too. I think it was, like, a woman. I don't remember now. Oh. But they have a couple. It was at least, like, four or five people, I think, that come in. And they were all huge guests. Yeah. Like, Will Ferrell, especially. I mean, obviously, James Spader is huge, and, and Jim Carrey is huge. But, like, at, at this point, too, Will Ferrell is definitely, like... I mean, I wouldn't say his career's on a downturn necessarily, but this is still, like, Will Ferrell at his height. So it's, like, crazy. This is prior to Anchorman 2 as well. So he's, like, just, I don't, I, it's insane to me that the show could have him on there. Which is also, when you have someone like Will Ferrell on your show, you're, like, really just don't, I mean, it sounds obnoxious to say, like, don't give a shit. But, like, that's a huge guest star. Yeah. And, like... Some shows just don't really fit with having huge guest stars. And The Office is definitely, I feel, one of them. Yeah, I mean, like, a show... I don't even know. I'm trying to think of another show that would even comparable... I I mean, you could say, like, a Big Bang Theory or something. Having huge guest stars on that are not probably not amazing, but at least they fit with the tone of comedy, because there's, like, Mm -hmm. there's an audience. Uh Uh-huh. And it's, 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 um... It's, it's insane, high-concept situations, so... I could at least buy that a celebrity will wander in or, or you know, um, somebody who's that cartoonish will be one of the characters. But to throw them into the office, it's like every one of them had their own weird cartoonish version of what the regional manager is, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, I don't know. It just felt like... I don't, it was like an episode of Singled Out. <laughs> like, why is, this, <laughs> why is this the office? It's Singled Getting Out. Getting some deep cut going on right yeah, now. I'm like... <laughs> Fucking and none of them were Carmen Electra, so who fucking cares? Like I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. It made me like that. I think I always really didn't like the show after Michael leaving because I watched the episodes where he left, as most po- people probably did, and that was great. And it actually kind of bought me some good faith to say. No, no I was already. I hated him so much. I was like, good riddance. Well, I I I agree because he was also on the way out. He was pretty bad, uh-huh. but I feel like. I don't know. There was something about the way they handled it and, like, you know, um, him taking off his mic. It was, like, good directing. It was very, like, kind of... Parts of it weren't perfect, but, like, the scene with him and Pam is really great. Yeah. And, like, there are parts of it that are fine. And it really did a little bit to at least, like, okay. It felt real. Like, and I felt very emotional while, you know, while And it's, it's weird because, on one hand, it's like, well, if he's leaving... Why? I don't even really remember why I was compelled to watch it again, because I was like, he's gone. <laughs> why yeah. would I watch it anymore? But, it, and then having, you know, just watched Vampire Diaries, it's uh, raw in my mind of, like, when a main character exits a show, there are two ways you can handle it. You either, you know, have them full-on exit, as in leave the show, yeah, or you just, you know, end the show itself. And, and then some shows decide to go on, so that show did the same thing, where they just kind of, you know, put her on, put her on sleep, but, like, and then he just leaves the show. And he's still doing great, and he's fine, whatever. But, like, I feel like if you have that good of closure in an episode, it should tell you that maybe the show deserves to end, yeah. too. Yeah, Because mm-hmm. the, the closure that happens on some shows is just, like, is a character closure. 
But this almost felt like the entire show's concept was kind of, like, being wrapped up in these moments where it was just, like... Yeah, yeah because he was, like, Michael Scott was just everything. Yeah, he was the show. And, and I'm not trying to say, like, a show can't survive without its main cast. There's certainly right. many examples of how that's it's either improved or, or definitely maintained while losing somebody. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think that anyone, including even probably the cast itself, would say that the show was the same without Steve Carell. Right, Burrell. yeah. And it's not to say that, like, he was in this episode and it sucked, and it was probably as bad, if not worse, than any of the episodes without him. Yeah. But... I think that, like, him leaving was the best thing that ever happened to him for the show because it made his character, for a moment, slightly more likable. Because yeah. by mm-hmm. this point, he was 100% unbearable, and he only got worse until he left. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe Steve Carell, that might have been why he wanted to leave. Because, I mean, he was doing all the, I'm assuming, some improvising himself and, like, character work and probably helped write and stuff, but and I, I don't know. he wanted to be in more movies, well, yeah. Well, Steve Carell's now obviously done fine. <laughs> he wanted to look like a hot English professor, and who yeah. could blame him? Uh, well, Steve Carell, as everyone knows, is aging phenomenally. So, again, <laughs> yeah. let's all tip our hats to Steve Carell for tip the hats. great jeans. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I certainly fell off in, out of love with the show. And unlike like something like Parks, which really came back and, like, you know, I think still kind of swung for the fences with its final season. Yeah. I don't think that this show ever really did. And this is kind of the point where it was, like, no return. And even before this, it was already not... I think I think by season... The end of season three, it starts going to places that are a little too dark. Which is, again, it's such a... I hate being such a, like, you know, TV hipster where it's like, by season three, who fucking cares? But, like, <laughs> not, there are certainly episodes of season four that I really enjoy. Like, I like Fun Run a lot yeah. and all that stuff. So uh, there's definitely parts of it I enjoy tremendously. And I think it did just fine, even in season five at parts. But, like, I think by this point... Everybody was just so vitriolically anti each other. It's like, how am I watching a show with people this unlikable and this? Uh, and it's not even intentional. And it's not even. It's always sunny. Like, if I'm gonna watch a show with people this unlikable, I want to be funny while they're doing it. Right. Exactly. And they're not in this episode. And it's just yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know. So we have. Do we have another wrap up thoughts we didn't get to? I hate Jim and Pam. Jim and Karen forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's one of those things where I actually, I absolutely used to be like, Jim and Pam is the most romantic thing in the world. And I still, Casino Night, in some respects, I get it. But when you're younger... In the first it, couple seasons, yeah. I feel like. And when you're younger, it's so much more romantic, the whole concept of mm. Jim and Pam. Mm-hmm. It's like how when you're younger, Seth Cohen is the ideal, and then you're an adult, and you're like, oh no, well, no. I want some Ryan. And <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, so, so, like, the Jim and Pam element, it, it's weird, because Casino Night is infamously hyper-romantic. It's weird because when you go back and look at it, even that, though, it's kind of like Jim saying, like, I'm in love with you and, like, putting all this shit on Pam's doorstep. Although Pam, to be honest, Pam should probably, she already kind of vaguely knew it, I guess, at this point. But she was just just so there. She was just not, she was barely a character, really, I would say. Yeah. She she was too waifish. That's what I want to say, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's hard because you always remember it as if the Pam we knew in season three and four is the Pam that's always been there. And it wasn't. Like, she was a lot more... And it's always been, like, you know... And also, Jim, like, kind of fuck you. Like, Roy wasn't perfect, but she had a life she went home to. I like... I thought thought Roy's fine. Yeah, he was just fine. They think he was terrible. But they treated him like, oh, he's such a thug. And he became a thug, if only because they wanted to make Jim more likable. But, Mm -hmm. like, in the long run, like, why are you expecting her to, to completely reciprocate everything you had when... I mean, at the end of the day, she goes home to somebody she's gonna marry... 
you think she thinks about you all day long? I mean, she. we find out later on that she kind of at least had some kind of good feelings for him. But, you know, like, I, I it is very much like the, the you know, prototypical rom-com kind of concept where it was like, you know, he's been pining for her the whole time and she's secretly in love with him too. Blah, blah, blah. That's great. But in retrospect, knowing how shitty they get, it really does color the way I view a lot of what Jim does because Jim mm-hmm. gets really gross. And, and really, one of the things I, I remember... It's weird, because when I watched the season three finale, I think it is, live, when I was younger, I remember thinking, I think I cried. I thought it was so romantic. I comes back, <laughs> and she cries, and, oh, Jennifer, they're, both, they're great actors. Everyone on the show is pretty great. Jenna Fisher crying is fantastic, mm-hmm. and it feels very, really realistic, and, it's, and it makes you kind of emotional, mm-hmm. and it is, on its own, quite romantic, but when you find out later, I think it was only even really actually relayed to everybody else in the promo for season four, which poor Rashida Jones only gets her wrap-up scene in a promo for season four. I'm pretty sure, my memory serves me correctly. I, I believe it. Yeah, and so, so she... Last we saw of them, Jim was accepting a job in New York. He was basically given the job. And Karen was going to move with him. And everything was great. And then he sees the medal. And then I get it. I get him wanting to dump her. I get all of it. But apparently, according to her in the promo for season four, I'll try and dig it up and find it. He says, uh, she says, they say, like, what you did over the summer. And it was like, you know, Jim and Pam are all smiley because it's like, oh, they know what they're doing. But they were being secret because they didn't want to say anything. Yeah. And then, if it wasn't a promo, maybe it was just the first opening scenes. But anyway, so so Karen says it got dumped at a fountain. It got left at a fountain. So basically he dumped her at a fountain in New York City and then just drove home to Scranton. After having moved across the country, well, city, I guess, moving from Scranton to New York with her. Like, she had put all her shit in a car taking mm-hmm. a job, and plan to move to New York City with him and spend the rest of her life it's with garbage. him. garbage. Like, that's horrible. And that's one of those things I totally glazed over as a younger person. Yeah, I was me like, too. Eh. I'm like, you know, I mean, sucks for Karen. And I always liked Karen, but I was always like, you know, Jim and Pam are, you know, long term. <laughs> I wanted them to end up with each other. But it felt very sudden, and I get it. It was supposed to be romantic, but it was just like, wow, Karen really got fucked in this. It yeah. Just, it sucked. And I, I would have made more sense to me if he'd actually done all that stuff in the prior episode, the beach party episode, because at least then the whole romantic stuff would have made more sense. But to actually go to New York after that? Yeah. It's like, Jesus, Jim. Like, get your shit together. Just, if you're still in love with her, fucking be still in love. Oh, it made me so mad. Yeah. But anyway, so, so and not to, to devolve too much further into that, but I think it's, <laughs> it's worth, it's worth saying, because I feel like that's the kind of, sh- like, shit that, you know, eventually, what, what could be kind of thrown together as, as good stuff with, like, flaws becomes it's almost like a rock rolling down the hill at first it's got a little bit of moss but by the end of it if it keeps rolling it's gonna have so much moss it's gonna stop which is like the show because in the beginning it has some flaws but by the end of it there's so many flaws that it's like why is this still rolling i just couldn't understand why it kept going and i'm glad it ended because if this had been going it kind of i mean it was still probably making the most views of a lot of nbc it definitely plummeted in viewership but compared to the stuff that's on now it probably would have been making still more because people were probably just curious to see what what that well it's it's mindless it's the same stuff that people watch now that it's just like i mean bones is in its 80th season like there's a million things that are on forever and i get it because people just want to tune in and watch something mindless and i get it but it's just like, thank God the actors on the show were too famous to be on the show anymore. Because this mm-hmm. would have gone on, I bet, yeah. for, I mean, another ten seasons or something. Oh, God. It would have been <laughs> awful. 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, who knows? Do we have anything else we could try and wrap up? <laughs> I've, been I've been listening to a lot of Sum 41 lately. So you're really, stuff. really feeling it. You're feeling it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry, that's Blink-182. That's Blink-182, you piece of shit. <laughs> I actually didn't even mean to make that joke, but then I realized it was a joke, so I went with it. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, I mean, I have nothing more. This episode sucked. Yeah, basically, yeah. That's why we watched it. To say. Yeah. yeah, don't watch it, guys. It sucks. I mean, this is... Or do watch it. I don't know. If you want to watch it, be prepared to be I mean, upset. I guess we could talk real quick about, because I... Like, critical reception for this episode was pretty good. Really? Yeah. Uh, AV Club, um, before I worked there, <laughs> gave it an A-. minus. Yeah, got some good uh, reviews I read I, online. Yeah, I just remember, I remember because I definitely watched the episode live, and it's like, friends and I being like, that was garbage, and Michael Scott's an awful person. <laughs> yeah, I remember being absolutely against it from the, from the get-go, too. Like, I think I remember almost, like, turning it off. I don't know that I did turn it off. But it was, like, it was terrible. I mean, it was, I can't imagine ever watching this and thinking, like, what a great episode. Yeah, I had to go, like, through the comments on the review just to, like, I had to scroll for a while just to finally get someone being like, am I the only one who hated this? (laughs) I know. I don't get it. I don't, it's, it's, I mean, it's weird, because I get, I understand why people like it, because I think it's the same kind of humor it's yeah, actually, the British show, yeah. It's very close to the British office, so if you enjoyed this, if you do watch this... And but like, that doesn't work guys, for this office. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. And it, I mean, there are definitely... Like, I brought up the first season, because I think that's the, the best version of this show parroting the British show. Because it's still a lot... Those episodes are actually kind of dark in some respects, not just the way they're shot. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, it is... Uh, they're a little bit more biting, a little bit more cruel... And I, I don't mind that. It's definitely still likable, and I enjoy it. But the way that the show went, I don't even care if it was trying to get back to its roots. That's fine, too. But it just didn't... It was too far to the left. It was too much of a David Brent move for me to, to believe that someone this unlikable would be a protagonist in a TV show. Yeah. Not... I mean, honestly, there's a reason why it's British comedy. It's not that common on American TV. Only more recently have we gotten, like, a slew of shows that are and, about assholes. And, like, I appreciate that. I, I love shows about assholes. I love British comedy. But at this point in the office, like, that's not what you've signed up for. No. Yeah, exactly. No, not at all. And it's, it's to me, it's like, like, look, there are shows that are about assholes that are great. We brought up It's Always Sunny. We've talked about You're the Worst before. Um, even, like, Seinfeld. That, mm-hmm. You could argue that those are all assholes. I buy it, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Yeah. But, like, at the end of the day, you have to have at least, like, a little bit of either comedy or heartwarmingness at some point to redeem. Like, even, like, It's Always Sunny is usually, like, unrepentantly dark and gross. But even that show has, like, moments where mm-hmm. at least, like, it'll it'll jokingly pull a heartstring. Because it knows but- that American audiences need a little bit of levity or... or fluffiness in uh-huh. order to find the humor in the comparison. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are some British shows that are just unrelentingly Which, dark. By the way, I will uh, suggest anyone who is looking for something unrepentantly dark British, Nighty Night, a uh, British uh, sitcom starring Julia Davis as basically she's a sociopath. Great. And just like late, like there's a, by the end of the first season, there's like a, just a pile of bodies she's left in her wake because she wants to just hi- hide all the bullshit she's been doing. Yeah, and so, if, you, if you want more other unrepentant... It's all on dark, Hulu. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> if you want other unrepentantly dark British shows, I also recommend The Fall, which is not a comedy at all, but it is literally as if that, someone... That yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you, Lisa. No. But if, <laughs> if you enjoy... Well, first of all, if, you enjoy, if you enjoy Gillian Anderson's face, definitely tune in. If you, enjoy, if, you ha- if you have two working eyes and are not blind. Yeah, or Jamie, uh, whatever his name, I don't even remember. But like, Jamie uh, Dornan. Jamie Dornan. Um, so if you like either of them, but that show is basically if someone sat on your chest and never got up. <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> That's wow. The show. That's the fall. It's, it's very, I mean, like, I feel like that's an accurate representation, so tweet at me if you disagree, but I don't know. It's just kind of like, okay, I'm going to die. I'm going to suffocate. Yep. Um, so, so on that note. Uh, it's getting better and better. <laughs> I mean, do you have any, I don't know what other shows that are that dark that are, I mean, they're British. I'm trying to get other shows. Obviously a lot of Obviously. stuff is dark. Let's uh, see, we're, we're doing comedies uh, and dramas? Because obviously, as, if we're, we're doing comedies and dramas, because of course, you know, Hannibal. Hannibal, yeah. Well, uh, I'm trying to think of British stuff, too. Yeah. If we're just doing unrepentant assholes and British, uh, I, I still suggest to everyone watch Siblings. Mm-hmm. It's basically just, it's kind of like British It's Always Sunny, just with a brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's stuff I'm not thinking of, too. I mean, even like something like the IT crowd, which is pretty, I mean, funny. <laughs> There's even a laugh track, I think, right? I forget. Yeah. I've seen it in a while. I always forget there's a laugh track, honestly. Yeah, but it's pretty dark. Like, that show gets pretty weird and pretty... So, like, if you're looking for stuff, like, like similar to this, but still dark, that show's a good example of how it could be still very funny and lighthearted, but also very bleak at times. This show does bleak very well. It does, it does definitely have moments where the bleakness is very real, because it's literally a show about people in a dying town, in a dying industry, like... Mm-hmm basically dying in their office chairs. Yes. It's kind of, again, I brought it up before, <laughs> the equivalent of what's going on here. So, it does it just fine. You don't need to keep adding all these other dark elements to it. It was just, just a yeah. dark thing. See, another dark. British show, uh, Snuffbox, they're literally uh, executioners. It's a weird show, though. It's a very weird show. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, so check those out, guys. I hope, I mean, I'm really glad we, like, brought it really, really far down. So, <laughs> <laughs> bringing the house down. Um, so, alright, let's, let's move on to plugs, though, because that way, I don't want to, I don't want to make anybody else any more sad than we are. <laughs> so, what's up with you, LaToya? Uh, of course, you can follow me on the Twitter, at LaFergs. Uh, you can find my writing on AV Club, uh, Complex, just around the world, basically. Uh, I want to, of course, plug this podcast, because it's great. Yes. If you <laughs> haven't gone back and listened to our other podcasts, I suggest the episode on John Doe. It's, it's an instant classic, classic right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Instant classic. What a fucking show. Great episode, too. I, not just of our show. I enjoyed our show, obviously. But well, you should watch that episode. It's great. It's so TV. good. It's, it's good TV. See, by the time this has dropped, my TV Club 10 piece on Two Guys and a Girl will be up. So I'd like to plug that. Yes. Talk about whimsical, like, really great whimsical comedy. That's where yeah. it's with, with terrible people. Yeah, that's another yeah, one. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, fucking great show. Yeah, I'm. I was so excited to get to write so many words about it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's something. I think I got everything down. All right, yeah. awesome. All right, and what's up with you, Lisa? Well, as usual, nothing is really up with me. But <laughs> feel free to follow me on Twitter if you like to look at random stupid shit. Uh, <laughs> You're really selling this. You can follow me on Twitter at Lisa Decroce. L i s a d i c r o c e.
Yay. And as always, I am at Marie on Twitter. The next episode of this show will be our 4th of July super patriotic episode. <laughs> and we go into the the uh, the uh, icon of, of American consumerism that was Coca-Cola Presents Young Americans. Season 1, episode 6, gone. Now, make sure you're watching the one that's about the lost uh, paper, letter, all that bullshit, laptop. The one with Charlie Hunnam, basically. <laughs> so in case you're looking, because it's, it, for some bizarre reason, it ran all out of order because it was canceled almost instantly. <laughs> for whatever reason, that Coca-Cola sponsoring a show would end up with the show being off the air. I, I can't imagine why. But, uh, so, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at the Televoid. You can email us at thetelevoid at gmail.com. You can rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes. And thanks again for wandering into the Televoid, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.